New York, New York, a hell of a town. New York sports have ebbed and flowed since the days of Frank Sinatra on Broadway, singing that great musical on the town. And I tell you what, it looks like positive days are on the horizon. Also, we're going to talk about the Minnesota Vikings sitting there at 5-1. and one. But Does anybody believe that they're going to be there in the end? And probably the core of our discussion today, we are going to talk about Tom Brady and his legacy and whether or not the events of this season, what many believe could be his final, finally, um, could or not have a lasting impression on his legacy. And with me, as always, to bring it down, he's already laughing at me in the background, Pro Football Network senior NFL analyst, Mr. Trey Wingo. Brett, what's up, buddy? How are you? I'm, I'm feeling good now. Okay. Ask me again after you rip me a new one following our Tom Brady segment. No, we're, we're good. Like everyone's entitled to their opinion, no matter how freaking crazy it is. It's all well, good. There we go. That's a, that's a start. <laughs> that in the business is a tease right there. Um, let's, uh, bef before we get started, Trey, I like to just remind everybody that you can be a part of the conversation here on YouTube and LinkedIn and Twitch and Twitter and everywhere else we're streaming this to. Uh, put all your thoughts in the comments. Get them in there. DJ um, Dirty Day's in there. You already said first. There you go. And look at that. Trey with a heart. DJ Dirty Day loves you, Trey. No Come love on. for me, though. That's okay. Somebody must. Somebody That's needs to. Um, but by the way, also, you don't just have to join the conversation here during the show. Hey, guys, make sure you join me and the other betting analysts here at Pro Football Network over at Pickett. Trey, you know, because we've talked about this a few times. I love using Picket because it automatically syncs the different apps that I use, like Caesars, our good friends over there, and Underdog, our fantasy partners here at Pro Football Network. And not only that, it calculates your ROI. It provides free line shopping across books, and it connects you with the most dedicated community of sports bettors. You can directly engage with them, but not only that, you can engage with me, you can engage with everybody uh, at Pro Football Network. And it's completely free to join. Completely free. So join Pickett today using promo code PFN365 at sign up. And you'll win up to $100 just for joining. And that's the important part, guys. When you join Pickett today, make sure you're using promo code PFN365 at sign up. And you'll win up to $100 just for joining. Boom. That's not a kicker. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, all right. Segment one, man. Time to learn. This is what we do each and every single week here at Football Insiders. It is time to learn, and we're going to lead it off with our second phase of the season, true or false. And I led with it in my open tray. True or false, New York is a hell of a football town these days. It is. There's no way around it. I mean, the Jets are four and two. The Giants are five and one. And whether or not you believe they're any good is irrelevant because – as former Jets and Giants head coach Bill Parcells once said, to perfection, you are what your record says you is. Says you are. <laughs> says you is. You are what your record says you are. So, like, it doesn't matter what you believe about how they got there or whether they should be there or not. At the end of the day, you are what your record shows you are. And the Giants are 5-1. and one, And the Jets are 4-2. and two. And it's the first time they've been this uh, over 500 late in the season since 2015. So it, it is what it is. There's, there's no way around it. And uh, that's, that's the most important thing. Yeah. You know, I, um, Trey, I don't know if you're familiar with Alan Hahn over at ESPN, New York. Sure. Um, I know Alan. So uh, I remember a couple of years ago, I was listening to his show over there and it was late at night, and you know he's a, uh, a vociferous Knicks fan. Loves yeah. the Knicks. Um, and he was to be clear, I do not care about the Knicks or basketball, maybe even. Well, not so much. No, call me when yeah. the finals start. Yeah, there you go. You or play eighty. You play eighty-two regular season games to eliminate less than half of the teams from the playoffs. <laughs> I know this about you. Um, uh. But but Alan Alan was bemoaning the fact that that New York was suffering as a sports town in large part not just because of the Knicks or other teams but because the Jets and the Giants were in this lull um, and and you can you know he was kind of saying the Giants Super Bowls were sort of outliers to this overall uh, malaise that they have uh, going on but this year Trey 
they are coming off both impressive upsets. They both beat the Packers in back-to-back <laughs> weeks. I was about to say, that, that's the thing they have in common right now. They both found a way to beat Green Bay. Yeah, uh, the Jets doing it on the road in Lambeau. Uh, the Giants upset Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Um, right now, Trey, in your estimation, do you think the, these two have a real shot at the postseason at this point, six weeks in? Well, um, six weeks in, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. Right. Like I, I can throw you historically a number of teams that were great through the first six weeks of the season and didn't make the playoffs. But you'd rather be in the position the Jets and Giants are in than a bunch of other teams than the Denver Broncos or the Chicago Bears. So, yeah, they have a legitimate shot at it. But the most important thing I think to think of from this, uh, the Jets and Giants are combined nine and three so far against the spread. That's their best combined cover record through week six since 1990. And they've each won four games outright as underdogs. What does that tell you? That tells you that they're finding a way to win games that people think they shouldn't, which usually translates to later in the season, winning games when suddenly people think you should. You can't win squat in the NFL in September and October. You can lose it, but you can't win it. You have to find a way to get going late in the season. But right now, the Jets and the Giants are both living proof that if you can find a way to put together some ugly wins early, the confidence in your ability to win those games later in the season becomes paramount, and it multiplies by tenfold. And I think that's the best thing that Robert Sala with the Jets and Brian Dayball with the Giants can, can, can sort of lean on. Hey, guys, trust me. We're going to get this thing done. Yeah. They have the receipts. And once you have the receipts, you know what happens? The players start believing. And, you know, not to go all Ted Lasso here, you know, believe. But that's an important thing. And, like, for example, on Sunday, the Giants were down 10 points to the Ravens in the fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken. They yep. didn't panic. Yep. They believed they would find a way to win, and they did. You know, the Jets were a little different scenario at Lambeau where they snapped – uh, Green Bay's 15-game regular season home winning streak. Uh, they were sort of in front for the rest for most of that game, but the belief is there, and I, I can't overstate that enough. It's one thing to think you can do it; it's another thing to believe you can do it and know that you're going to find a way to do it. And that's what the Jets and Giants are working through right now. Yeah. And I, man, just incredibly great points. Um, and I think, I, I think part of what you're saying too, right. Is there's a, a pretty big value on the coaching that's being done right now. Yeah. And it matters. That, yeah. We, we said this about Dan Campbell a couple of weeks ago. This, that's the thing he's missing right now is those receipts that you allude to that young coaches and Brian Dable are getting in year one or Rob Sala in year two. Um, and, and a guy like Dan, Cal Dan Campbell with Detroit doesn't have those receipts yet. Um, and that impact that it has on the player's belief that this is the guy to lead us to the promised land. Yeah. I mean, if we're throwing in Dan Campbell here, like everybody loves him and they swear by him and they believe they love what he says, but at some point it's got to work. Yeah. It's got to work. Absolutely. It's got to work or it doesn't matter. Um, the only thing that matters in the NFL is winning. Like I've said this a million times when you hire somebody, you say, we love his character. We love, the culture he brings. We love mm. the way he relates to the players. Yep. Why'd you fire him? He didn't win enough. <laughs> right. So like, you know, right. all those things sound great when you hire somebody, but yeah. at the end of the day, if they don't win, it doesn't matter. Like it just doesn't matter. I can't remember who it was. The NFL isn't a try hard league. The NFL is a win league. That's it. That's it. That's the only thing anybody cares about. Did you win or did you lose? Did you win or did you lose? And right now, the Giants and Jets, and again, I use the, the, the disclaimer right now, the Giants and Jets are doing, for the most part, what is necessary to win. And that's all that matters. The Jets are one of only two teams. I want to get this straight. Hold on. Let me make sure I get this completely accurate. The Jets are one of only two teams in the Super Bowl era to have a winning record through six games, despite being an underdog in every single one of them. That's massive because yeah. that pays dividends down the road. They're doing what Dan Campbell, to your point, and the Lions are hoping to do and haven't done yet. Okay. Like they came in with all the, you know, the polish and the shine from hard knocks and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but it hasn't translated into dip. 
And part of that is because Dan Campbell has made some egregious coaching mistakes. Uh, when you when you find a way to win games, you believe you can win more of them. And I know that sounds sort of zen and hippy dippy and whatever, but it's also true. It's a hundred percent true. When you can translate your belief into actual results, that's when the magic happens. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's and to your, look to your point on that stat, you know the, that doesn't change for the Jets this week. They're an underdog again, according to Caesar Sportsbook. They're getting, uh, I mean, it's basically a pick'em, but they're still they're the ones getting one point um, on the road against the Denver Broncos. How, and, by the way, how? I like I, I have I have real questions. Like this is when I think the the sharps know something, right? Yeah, because the Jets are underdogs in Denver. By the way, Denver is terrible. Russell Wilson is terrible. He may not play this week. They paid $240 million, 235, whatever it is, for him to be terrible. Uh, and yeah. they the under is hit in 17 of 23 games for the Denver Broncos, which is a fancy way of saying they can't score. They are terrible. They are completely constipated offensively. Yet somehow the Jets are, are getting points in that game as an underdog. The Giants are a three-and-a-half-point uh, underdog in Jacksonville. Yep. This is where I believe somebody smarter than us knows something that they're not sharing. Yeah, man. Uh, that, I was just going to say that both teams, despite these wins and, and everything they're putting together, they're both underdogs, both on the road this week. Um, but uh, by the and by the way, those those uh, those lines you can find over at uh, Caesar Sportsbook. Um, before we move on to the next segment, our graphics team, Trey, put together. Uh, an incredible wallpaper for Jets fans this week that you can find over on on Pinterest. We do this every single week at Pro Football Network, our graphics team, and you know they do the graphics for this show. They absolutely crush it uh, when they do. Um, but you can get, you know, with with Brees Hall being on fire lately for the Jets and the winning that they're doing, um, you can get this this wallpaper custom made by us over on Pinterest where you can celebrate your fandom for your favorite teams every single week. We've got new ones coming out. So make sure you head over to Pinterest and, and check those out. Let, let me just real quick before we move on, let me say something else about the Jets. You can make a very compelling argument that they're going to have both the offensive rookie of the year and the defensive rookie of the year. Crazy. You mentioned Brees Hall. Total scrimmage yards, number one in the NFL for all rookies. Four touchdowns tied for first in the NFL. Sauce Gardner has been as good as advertised. Uh, there are some other places and some other players on other teams that will eventually figure into this. But right now, you can make a very compelling argument about the offensive rookie of the year and the defensive rookie of the year belong to the New York Jets. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, look, let's let's talk about the other let, – let's get our other true and false here because we mentioned this because both of the New York teams beat this team in back-to-back -back weeks, not the Green Bay Packers. Trey, true or false, the Packers are in trouble. No, I think that's true. Uh, they're they're in real trouble. And look, they'll never admit it publicly because it doesn't help them. But they regret trading away Devontae Adams. There's no doubt in my mind. And I hear people say, well, you know, once you paid Aaron Rodgers, you had to trade Devontae. No, you didn't. He was under contract. Like, you chose to. And they're like, well, he could make trouble. Well, how? Because under the new CBA, holding out is going to cost him money. Uh, and the last guy to hold out an entire season was Le'Veon Bell, who's now a boxer. So great. Good for him. You know, that worked out really well for him. And, uh, you know, he he lost 14 million that year, never got half the money the Jets signed him with in free agency and is now fighting Adrian Peterson. So like good for him. But no, they could have made it work with Devontae Adams. They chose not to because they were terrified. They were scared of what might happen. So, yeah. The Packers are in real trouble. Plus, I can tell you from people that I know in Green Bay, there are grumblings right now inside the locker room. Uh, grumblings that Aaron's guys, uh, or as it was related to me, 12's guys, because he wears number 12, are being treated differently than other guys in the locker room. Uh-oh. And, you know, if you're not winning, like, that's fine when you're winning. Like, in the NFL, it's the most important thing. If you win, no one effing cares what else you do. You could... You know, drive over baby rabbits with your car. You could you could do a million different things. You're winning. It's all good. It's fine. But once you start losing, everything that annoys you is the problem. And the Packers have lost back-to-back -back games for the first time under Matt LaFleur. 
They had been 9-0 and in those sort of bounce-back games, winning them by an average of 13 points. As I said, they had a 15-game home regular season winning streak snapped by the Jets. So everything isn't working for the Packers right now. So when everything isn't working, everything goes under the microscope. And all the things that you don't care about when you're winning suddenly become a huge deal when you're losing. So, yeah, mm. the Packers are in real trouble right now. Yeah, it's – um. Like we said, I mean, losing to the Jets and Giants, now look, maybe those teams are for real and whatever. But to your point, this reminds me of when, you know, right after the Seahawks didn't give the ball to Marshawn Lynch, we started hearing all the rumblings about Russell Wilson getting extra special treatment from Pete Carroll, how that angered the defensive players, so on and so forth. Same kind of vibes here, according to, to what you're hearing. The Packers are losing. They're not, you know, coming off an NFC championship loss. Um and here we are, all of a sudden, 12s guys. They um, lost a divisional game. They didn't get to the NFC Championship. They yeah. lost a divisional game to San Francisco to Jimmy Garoppolo people. That's right. So, and and, and uh, by the way, uh, to, to your point of what you're just talking about, like here, here's the ultimate, if you're, if you're a Packers fan, here's the ultimate worst case scenario. A lot of people I hear around the NFL saying they probably believe this is Aaron Rodgers last year. Oh, so they're thinking like this is probably going to be his swan song after two straight MVPs and he's not going to stick around for a rebuild. So in order to placate Aaron Rodgers because of back-to-back MVPs and you annoyed him, let's be honest, you, when you drafted Jordan Love in the first round of 2020 when he was coming off an MVP season. Uh, so he's had back-to-back or not, not a not an MVP season, excuse me, that was Lamar Jackson, a very good season where he got to the NFC Championship game and they lost to uh, they lost to the 49ers. So you ticked off Aaron Rodgers so much that he went out and won back-to-back NFL MVPs when you were ready to move on from him. You can say whatever you want. They were ready to move on from him. So he plays really well, wins back-to-back NFL MVPs, and you reward him with a really big, fat contract. But to do that, you feel like you have to get rid of Devontae Adams – and now the possibility that Aaron may walk after 2022, suddenly you gave him all that money to keep him around and now he's going to leave and the other second best player you had on team is no longer there. Yeah. That's an ultimate <laughs> to the organization by Aaron Rodgers. Um, man, the amazing clips we're going to get from this. We got a Ted Lasso quote. We got great sound effects going. This show is <laughs> by far the best uh, out there. Uh, by the way, despite all of the Packers' troubles, uh, Trey, they're get, they're giving five points to another troubled organization we spoke about last or two weeks ago, the Washington Commanders. Are they um, an organization, honestly? Uh, I tell are you they what, an organization or are they a team that plays football? Because it feels like it's the latter more than the former. I think they're a, just a team that plays football right now. That's a fair point. Uh, you know, and for With those Carson Wentz know, out, Taylor Heineke, and maybe Sam Howell coming in at some point, it's a mess in our nation's capital. Dan Snyder out, uh, according to Jim Irsay, maybe well, soon. So we'll well, you you want to get into that? I mean, like, do you want to get into that or not? Let me know. Let's circle back. Okay, we'll circle back. It's corporate speak. Because uh, I have some thoughts there, but we, I'm we, sure you I'm I, sure you I know do. you have other things you want to talk about. <laughs> um, our last uh our last topic here for uh time to learn is the uh Minnesota Vikings. Sure, false tray. The Minnesota Vikings are the least dependable five and one team remaining here in the NFL. Are they any and are they any less dependable than the Giants? Like honestly, like Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than Zach Will and than than Daniel Jones. They have a game-breaking wide receiver in Justin Jefferson. They have a great secondary receiver in in Adam Thielen. Irv Smith is a tight end on the rise. They have a running game in Dalvin Cook. I mean, like, here's the only thing I can say with any certainty about any of these questions. I believe there are two great teams in the AFC, in Kansas City and Buffalo. And I believe that at this point, the Eagles, as an undefeated team, are clearly the best team in the NFC. Everything else, who knows? (laughs) Who knows? It's all gobbledygook right now. The New York Times, by the way, listed their power rankings this week. They went one through three, Philadelphia, Buffalo, Kansas City. They couldn't come up with anyone they wanted to put at four, so they vacated it and skipped to T5. Like, that's sort of where we are in the NFL right now. Look, 
everybody believes that Kansas City and Buffalo are going to meet in the playoffs, probably in the AFC championship game at some point, depending on how the rest of the season weighs out where that's going to be. And everyone thinks it's going to be Buffalo right now. Well, if the same thing happened last year, Buffalo won in Kansas City, and Kansas City at one point was three and four. And where was that game played? In Kansas City. So it's a long stretch. Buffalo's playing great. Kansas City's playing really well. Philadelphia is 6-0. and Everything else is throw it up in the air, and we'll see what happens. I don't have any more faith in Minnesota than I do in the Giants, than I do in the Jets, than I do in the Rams, than I do in the Chargers, than I do in the Ravens. You know, they're all sort of there. They're all sort of in the, the Bengals. They're all sort of in the mix. Uh, yeah. And, and and I don't – which is why when you ask about Minnesota, maybe, yeah. Like, they're <laughs> yeah, you know, but like – they, they were steamrolling the Bears, who, by the way, are 31st in scoring and 32nd in passing offense. They were up big at home, and they let that slip into a one-score game a couple of weeks ago. They yep. were up big on Miami with Skylar Thompson at quarterback before he got hurt, and Teddy Bridgewater had to come back in. By the way, Skylar Thompson, is it River Craycraft? Is that, is, is that the name? That is, yes. Is there a more millennial combination? Craft. I mean, that sounds like a CW canceled sitcom. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, I don't believe in any of these teams. The teams I believe in are the two teams in the AFC. And I'm sorry, Philadelphia. Like, it's great for you. I feel great. I'm not 100% sold on the Eagles either. I'm sold yeah. on two teams. They both They both reside in the AFC. The rest of it is we'll see. Yeah, I'm with you there. And you mentioned that Bears game for the Vikings. In the last four games, the Vikings haven't won a game by more than one possession in, in those four yeah. wins. And they're against teams, like you mentioned, the Dolphins on their third and second, who was the third string quarterback last week, the Chicago Bears, and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Like you said, the Vikings have this propensity to get up big and they maybe look like a dominant football team. But before that game ends – they then remind you that maybe they're not a dominant football team. Yeah. Um, so they, they at least keep you guessing, which I guess. There's uh, only one dominant team in football this year. And with all due respect to the Eagles, it's the Buffalo Bills. Yes. Uh, who are dominating in, in historic fashion as they were uh, to start the season. Um, okay. We mentioned, by the way, uh, the different point spreads, at least for the, the Packers uh, giving five points. Both the uh, Giants and Jets are road dogs. Another uh, almost another Ted, Ted Lasso reference, Diamond Dogs being there. Um, but they're road dogs. Uh, all of that is found on Caesar Sports. As you know, uh, Trey is our uh, resident Caesars. Uh, he's the he's their chief trends ambassador, uh, chief trends officer. I want to get your title right. It's and awesome. brand ambassador for them. Um, and you guys know if you follow me on Picket or any of these other places that I only bet. Uh, the only sports book I bet at is Caesars. And uh, if you haven't bet there yet, do so now with us. Go place your first wager. If you lose, the great thing here is you're going to get 100% of your stake back as a free bet up to $1,250. That's an incredible number, higher than anywhere else I've seen. And win or lose, you'll get 1,000 reward credits and 1,000 tier credits and all you got to do to redeem this offer is use promo code PFNCZR when you place your first bet at Caesar Sportsback. That is promo code PFNCZR. Um, so let's uh, let's let's get into this, Trey, because I know you're ready to to rip my head off here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna set the stage. I'm gonna give the premise. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to slowly back away and, and, uh, and get educated. Um, no, bro, like be confident in your, in your opinions. Like, well, look, I, I will, I will preface this by saying that I'm, I'm known for being a Tom Brady truther in my, in the past, I have often chalked a lot of his, his team accomplishments up to the team versus him, but that's here's, here's, teams win games. That's Quarter, right. Wins and losses are not a quarterback stat. Like I've so, said that a hundred, a hundred million times I teams win games found, that could be found in your, in your Twitter bio. Um, but I, I will say this, that um, there is no denying his accomplishments and what he's done and the legacy he has built. So, so we talked a little bit about this a few weeks ago and the leaving training camp, the not practicing on Wednesdays, 
Um, the report that he missed the walkthrough on Saturday to go to Robert not a report. Kraft's he did. He missed he the did. walkthrough to go to Robert Kraft's wedding. M- missed the walkthrough. The the report uh, that he you know recently, or I guess he did this too. This is a direct quote that he compared going to training camp to being deployed in the military. Um, these are all things that have happened in the last two or three months, and I believe. And maybe this doesn't play out over the next 20, 30 years, but I believe that the events of this season, what could be his final season, Trey, have the, the potential to leave a stain on what, to this point, was a stellar, pristine, squeaky clean legacy. Um, I'm interested in your thoughts on that. Are you? Are you really interested? You sure Always. you're interested? Always. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? Like, do you think 10 years from now, assuming Tom Brady is retired in 10 years and he's not playing at 56, do you think when people interview Tom Brady, they're going to say, joining us now is Tom Brady, the guy who messed up the team in 2022 by not going to Wednesday walkthroughs, by skipping a, a Saturday practice to go to Robert Kraft's wedding and took 11 days out of training camp. He joins us now. Are they going to say, and joining us now is Tom Brady? The guy who has seven Super Bowl rings is only the second quarterback ever to win Super Bowls with two different teams and has every single possible passing record you can ever hold. What's the sentence they're going to introduce him with? Have I stunned you into silence? Or is your internet not working again? No, no, no. I'm here. I, I muted myself to make sure that uh, I gave you. So, so I'm asking you, which, which yeah. how are they going to introduce him 10 years from now? It, it 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 will it will absolutely be as a seven time Super Bowl champion. Yeah. So okay, look, like I I love these, and you're not the only one to have these kind of conversations. If somebody has a bad season, he's going to ruin his legacy. No, it's not. It's going to yeah. be an aberration. It'll be an asterisk. It'll be you know something on the side. But at the end of the day, Tom Brady's legacy is seven Super Bowl rings, the most passing yards, the most passing touchdowns the most uh, incredible performances in Super Bowl history. That's going to be his legacy. Right now, rightfully so, and you and I have talked about it on this show, he's trying to play while being retired. Okay? That's 100% true. And he's not winning off the field, and he's not really winning on the field. So yeah. it's hurting both of those things. But when you, br- when you bring up the legacy discussion, it won't mean dip in five years. Yeah, I I tell you what, I don't I guess I don't disagree I I can't disagree with that because I just I agreed with you. They will introduce him as a seven. Wait, I love that. I can't disagree with you because I agreed with you. Yeah, see how he's like that circular logic there. Mm -hmm. Um, but but what I would let me let me let me phrase it a different way. Me personally, as as uh you know, my peak fandom years have been Tom Brady's entire career. Um I will I will remember that the, the, the legacy that he cultivated, that he publicly put out there, the TB12 brand, the look at yep. me and my family reality show on Facebook, Mr. Perfect. I will remember that that was not true and that what he did this that year. That was not true this year. That was not true this year. Right. But my, my point here is like, we we always said we always were okay with him spitting and screaming in the faces of referees on bad calls and slamming Microsoft Surface tablets and we we dubbed him the ultimate competitor, and and this is not the ultimate competitor, but that I was a, that was a mantra that he very happily accepted and ran with it and, and and enveloped into his his persona, but that's not who this guy is. You've said this to me privately about somebody we won't name here, but this Tom Brady would hate I'm sorry the the Tom Brady we've known the New England Tom Brady would hate this Tom Brady probably yeah everything you're saying is correct but at the end of the day you're asking me about his legacy and his legacy is his entire career it's not just this year yeah his legacy was just this year then I think you have a very compelling argument but at the end of the day like I said, 10 years from now, assuming he's not playing, like assuming he's not playing, (laughs) they're going to weigh his career. And there's all this great stuff over here and a bad 2022. Yeah. The scales are going to be weighed very heavily in his favor. 
Yeah, and, and for everyone watching, by the way, if you expected the two of us to start screaming at each other and and not what we do, the whole, that's not a thing. Um, but I, I do I do appreciate that because you're right. I mean, look, the you know on any scale, 21 years or 22 years of one thing versus one year or not even three months of, of another is always going to be outweighed. Um, I guess I guess as a fan of the game, I'm just disappointed to see that in in what could be his final season. Um, this is how it's playing out. I feel bad. And that's, I I feel bad for I wanna, him, that's accurate, Brett. That's yeah. accurate. I want to be hundred yeah. percent clear. Like that, when he was uh, that clip showed of him on Sunday in Pittsburgh, when he was ripping his offensive line, like I said, if I'm one of it, that was offensive line. I'm like, bro, maybe you should have been here for the walkthrough. Maybe yeah. you shouldn't take an 11 days off in training camp. Maybe you should be here for install days on Wednesdays. Yeah. All of that's a hundred percent valid. It's a hundred percent valid and a hundred percent uh you know a reason to criticize him this year but when you when you throw the legacy word out there it's not about 2022 it's about his entire career and his entire career like Peyton Manning his final year in the in the NFL couldn't play dead in a western he was that bad yeah, i think he had sure. nine touchdown passes and 17 interceptions 9 and 17 Yet somehow the Broncos won a second Super Bowl with Peyton as a starting quarterback. He was the first guy to do it. And people are like, oh, his legacy has changed. I'm like, you're ridiculously stupid if you think yeah. that way. Yeah. Okay. Like he had, uh, there, are, there are 22 starters for the Denver Broncos in 2015. Peyton Manning was the 37th best player in that Super Bowl, Super Bowl 50. <laughs> okay. Like there were, there were special teams players out the gazinga that played better than Peyton Manning did in that game. That's so true. if you're, if your perception of Peyton changes because of that second Super Bowl, then I don't, I don't want to talk to you. Okay. Yeah. So his legacy was established before the dreck of 2015, which ended up with him winning a second Super Bowl. Uh, whatever happens in 2022, like Peyton Manning is everywhere. Like literally like he's doing, the Manning cast. He's doing the college quiz show. He's doing these commercials. He's doing all these podcasts. He's doing all of this. None of this has affected his legacy because of what happened in 2015. And yeah. nothing is going to affect Tom Brady's legacy because of a I'm retired while playing football 2022 season. Yeah. Well, look, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely put on a, a bow on it there. I look, I, I agree with you. It just it, it's leaving a bad taste in my mouth, and I think and that's why that's I'm a fair it. thing. Yeah. That's a fair thing to feel. And I, if I'm if I'm a Buccaneers player, I'm going to be very curious to hear what happens in the off season if he does retire, and what they had to say about how he handled his last year. Yeah, um, and, and, and and those are fair things. But his legacy is not going to be in question. Yeah. All right, yeah, that's uh, that's a good point. Hey, look, we 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 typically now would move to our Super Smash QB matchup, but before we do, um, there there was some news this week. Colts owner Jim Ursay coming out of one of the owners' meetings. Uh, I think it was yesterday, yeah. um, saying that he see couldn't can foresee a scenario in which Dan Snyder is removed as owner of the Washington Commanders. Um, and um, is troubled by the allegations and the ongoing investigation. Of course, Dan Snyder responded by saying Jim Mercer was speaking out of pocket and needed to wait for the conclusion of the investigation, so on and so forth. Trey, this, this is a mess of a situation, a mess of a situation. It's been the way for a while in Washington. Like, nothing's changed. Like, it's the, Washington's uh, FedEx field is the only place where the stadium will poop on you which has happened on more than one occasion when the sewage system backs up and fans of the team actually get human waste dumped on them. Okay. What Ursay said actually was uh, there's merit to the consideration of, of him being removed, uh, which right. was a bold statement by That's Jim right. Ursay, yeah. uh, who's had his own issues on a bunch of different levels. Um, I can promise you he's not the only NFL owner that feels that way. The question is how many are going to put their name on the dotted line? How many right. are willing to say I'm for the active removal of one of our own. And I want so to be what clear. Is, what is that number, Trey? Is that that's 24, 24? 75%. You have to have 24, 24 yeah. of 32 teams, uh, 32 team owners. It's 20, you know, like, and it, the, the Packers are always weird. So you have to say 31 owners and the Packers because it's a entity owned by a, a bunch of different people. Um, 
So you need 24 of them. Jim Irsay is one. I guarantee you there's way more than Jim Irsay that feel that way. But how many of them are willing to stick their necks out there like that, wondering, what well, will I be next if things go poorly? And, and let's be clear. Daniel Snyder is a terrible owner. Like, he's a terrible owner. Among there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They've had very little success on the field. Uh, that he can't get funding for a new stadium. Like, funding for an NFL stadium is, like, the easiest thing in the world to do. Like Tennessee, Tennessee just Titans, did. Yeah, they're going to get a dome stadium in Nashville with all kinds of public funding. And because Daniel Snyder is such a train wreck, they can't get public funding from Virginia, Maryland, or the District of Columbia. So they have like, three choices. They have three options. Yeah, yeah, and none of them are working. So he's a terrible owner. And he's he's managed to not only win lose on the field. There's not a single coach, by the way. There's not a single coach in Dan Snyder's tenure as the as the owner of the team that has a winning record. Not one. That's think wild. about that. There's That's not wild. one coach that he's employed that left with a winning record as a as the head coach of the Washington Redskins football team commanders as they are now. Not one. Okay, he is an awful owner, but. I also believe the Seth Wickersham story on ESPN where he is like, okay, I, I, I'm going to start. If you want to get rid of me, I'm going to make it uncomfortable for you. Like yep. the line in the Godfathers going to the mattresses, he will go to the mattresses. You know, and he put out that statement. There's not, nothing to this report. Bull bleep. Uh, he's got it. And, and he knows, he knows that he, if he's going down, he's taking everybody else with him. So if the owners of the rest, the other 30 owners plus the Packers, if they want to get rid of Dan Snyder, they have to be prepared to go through some stuff. And I don't know how many of them are prepared to go through some stuff. Yeah. Last year when John Gruden had that whole email thing, people forget that wasn't a John Gruden thing. I mean, it ended up becoming that much to the NFL's delight. I think it was a a Washington football team. That's right. And he was just, he caught a stray. Yeah, and we we had the pleasure of uh, sitting down with your good buddy, someone I've come to get to know, Andrew Brandt, who um, really enlightened me to guys like Bruce Allen and the 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 behind the cloak and dagger activities that go on behind the scenes of the NFL. And I said this on that on that podcast, and this is this is a more than football episode. You guys can go can go listen to on Apple or Google. It's the episode with Andrew Brandt. But I said it uh, towards the end that. After hearing him talk about what really happens behind closed doors with these owners and and the presidents and all these different things, I felt dirty. It felt like a house of cards situation, house of cards episode. And here we are, Seth Wickersham coming out with this great story, by the way, over on ESPN, that an NFL owner is collecting, actively collecting dirt on his colleagues, his partners. That's what they are, right? Trey, they're, they're yeah. 32 partners. Business partners. Or 31 partners in the Packers. Right. Um, that uh, he's hoping to, to, to use in the event that they try to remove him. This is, this is, it, I can't believe it's not a bigger story, but what we know about the NFL and the way they handle these types of situations that put a black eye on the shield, I am not surprised that it's not a bigger story because they're controlling it right now. The NFL is always going to bank on the fact that whatever bothers you. By the way, was the last time anyone mentioned the words Deshaun Watson? Great point. And another another lawsuit just came out on that just yeah. a couple of days ago. When was the last time anyone mentioned the words Deshaun Watson with any outrage? Yeah. The NFL will always bank on there will be something that will take your attention away from the thing that you find so abhorrent. And nobody's talking about Deshaun Watson right now. Nobody. Nobody. And that's exactly how the NFL is hoping this whole thing plays out with the, the Washington commanders and their ownership. Yep. We will, we'll certainly keep an eye on it. Who knows? Maybe this will, something else comes out and this fills our second segment for next week's show. The problem with, um, but on a happier, more cheerful note, let's, uh, Let's move on to our super smash QB matchup of week seven. Let's see what the selector has for us. All right, 
Trey. Uh, usually our QB matchups are like elite quarterback going up against another elite quarterback. I don't know that that's the case here, but it is the it's best not. of the matchups. And it is a re, it is a Super Bowl rematch from just a couple of years ago when Patrick Mahomes did win his first Super Bowl. Jimmy G, not supposed to be the starter this year, supposed to be Trey Lance who got injured, but he is in the role for the 49ers. And Patrick Mahomes coming off the loss against the Bills. What are your thoughts on uh, on this matchup here? Well, a couple of things. Um, I, I want to know if, if Nick Bosa is playing. First yeah. and foremost, right? Like we always, uh, the NFL, because they do this, and I disagree with it vehemently, vehemently. There you go. Uh, that they, they attribute wins and losses to quarterbacks. Let me just throw a number out for you. Nick Bosa was drafted by the 49ers in 2019. In games that he has played since the 2019 season, the Niners are 27 and 13. In the 15 games that he has not played, the 49ers are 5 and 10, including a 14-point loss this weekend to the Atlanta Falcons. So, like you can you can attribute a win or a loss to almost anybody based on you know empirical data and statistics. So I don't know why we always do it with quarterbacks. Like if Nick Bosa plays, the San Francisco 49ers have a chance. If they don't have Nick Bosa, I don't think they have a chance because Patrick Mahomes. And the Chiefs, since he became the starter, you know what his record is against NFC opponents? I don't. Tell me. 13-0. and Wow, really? Never lost. He has never lost. In fact, put that in some historical perspective, 13 interconference wins by the Chiefs in a row is the second longest streak in NFL history uh, in interconference games, second only to the Patriots from 2005 to 2009, who won 17 games in a row against the NFC. So that's what we're looking at. Wow. Now, the only good news for San Francisco that we can throw in this situation is that they're playing the Chiefs in October. And you're saying to yourself, self, why does that matter? Let me explain. There's not enough time. Let me sum up. The Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes as their starter are 12 and 7 in the month of October. They are 42 and 8 in September, November, December, and January in regular season games. Put simply, almost half of Patrick Mahomes' regular season losses have come in the month of October. And I talked to a buddy of mine and our friend, Mark Schlereth. I said, Why do you think that is? Because it, it's it's just a weird thing. And he says, I get it, because the Chiefs are super talented. And when the season starts, those first few games, you want to go out there and play your best. You want to do this. You want to do that. He's 13 and two, for example, in the month of September, including the, the loss uh, this past couple of weeks ago against the Colts, when they literally tried their hardest to give the damn game away. And the Colts finally said, we'll take it. <laughs> so, so that's that scenario. And then you get into the lull of October, and the Chiefs know they're going to the playoffs. The Chiefs know that they're probably going to win that division. They get a little bored, and then they get a little lackadaisical, and then November and December comes around. Like, holy crap, we got to get our bleep together, and they go on these incredible streaks every year. So the only good news for San Francisco is that they're getting the Chiefs in October, and and with the uh, Packers' loss to the Jets on Sunday, uh, the Niners have the active longest active home winning streak in the NFL, six and zero at Santa Clara Stadium. Uh, or at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, rather. So that's about all I got. But other yeah. than that, I, I fully expect the Chiefs to bounce back uh, from the the lost Sunday to Buffalo. And by the way, can I just go into a couple of things about that game? Yeah, yeah, the please. And the Chiefs? I think it matters. I think it's relevant to what, what we might see from them this week. Um, I've said all along, the only team that can beat the Chiefs is the Chiefs. Like, yeah. the Bills are incredible, okay? Josh Allen played an amazing game. But on the first drive... They had a turnover, the Bills did, in the lateral between McKenzie and, and Josh Allen, so they didn't score. Chiefs march right down the field, and what happens? Mahomes throws an interception in the end zone yep. uh, when they should have gotten at least three points and taken an early lead. Okay? Then late in the half with the Chiefs leading 7-3, to three, and I, no one talks about this, but it drove me crazy, like ah, crazy. It's, the, it's a incomplete pass on first down when the Bills are backed up to their one-yard line. Right. Then, or two-yard line, rather. 
And then on second down, Josh Allen escapes a safety sack in the end zone and runs out to the one yard line. And, and so it's, it's now third and 12. And Andy Reid calls a timeout with one minute and 18 seconds left. And I'm, I'm watching him. And I'm saying to this in myself in real time. Who, Andy what, or Patrick? No, Andy Reid calls a timeout. Yeah. Because he's thinking, I get the ball back. We right. can score right before the half. And I'm like, get the ball back. Then call the timeout. Right. And, of course, what happens, they go on to score a touchdown uh, as uh, Gabriel Davis goes one-on-one with the rookie corner, Watson, and burns him for a, for a touchdown in the corner of the end zone with 16 seconds to play. If Andy Reid doesn't call that timeout, they don't have that opportunity to score with 16 seconds to play. Now, yes, the Chiefs did it again. Harrison Bucker hit a 62-yard field goal to tie it to 10. I get that. That's great. But sometimes it's the little things that make the biggest deal. And I, as Andy Reid was calling that timeout, I'm like, why don't you make sure you get the ball back first and then use that timeout? Because you're allowing the Buffalo Bills to have the opportunity to score by giving them more time on the clock. And mm-hmm. I know people say, oh, they were on the two-yard line. Well, the week before they were on the two-yard line on the first drive of the game, and Josh Allen hit, Gabe da- uh, hit Nate Davis, uh, Gabe Davis, excuse me, Gabe Davis, on, yeah. Gabe Davis on a 98-yard touchdown pass. So, like, you've seen them do this before. Yep. Andy Reid outthought himself and cost his team seven points in that game. Yeah, and look, we also know historically, going back to his days in Philly, Andy Reid has had some clock management challenges. Um, so that's not something that's that's uh, crazy. But yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you, man. I think we we both are big um, believers that the Chiefs are a phenomenal football team. But that October record and our buddy, you know, stinks explanation of it makes complete sense. Complete sense. Um, he, has, he has 17 interceptions in the month of October, five more than any other month. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, um, you know, Trey, if you follow me on Twitter or, or you follow me on Twitter, but for those of you who don't, um, you know that I've been doing a lot of betting and using behavior science and a betting model. I have San, my model has San Francisco winning this game, um, believe it or not. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. And they have that, so many injuries on defense. They have so many injuries. They do. And to your intent, that's a great point that you started out with. Is Nick Bosa going to play? Yeah. Because we've seen Max Crosby the two weeks ago. We saw Von Miller um, against. Von Miller changed that game. Lucky changed the changed game. that game. You know, changed Andrew Wiley is is amazing. He comes in in a pinch. He's a pros pro at right tackle. But he's not Von Miller. <laughs> but he's not Bob Miller, and he he's definitely not the Chiefs' long-term answer at that right tackle position. So we'll have to uh, we'll see we'll, we'll see where that goes. Trey, we got a little bit of time just a, a, uh, for a couple a couple questions from the audience. Uh, one question is: What are your thoughts on the Ravens signing Deshaun Jackson? Does this hurt or help Lamar Jackson? Well, I don't know how it hurts him, and it potentially could help him. Like Deshaun Jackson is a walking big play. I, I get it. It didn't work out with the Rams last year, and I thought that would. We actually had him on the recent uh, Half Forgotten right. History podcast episode. We talked about this. Um, I don't know how it hurts him, and it could potentially help him. It's a, What I call this signing is a low-risk, potentially high-reward situation. If it doesn't work out, so what? You know, like you have Rashad Bateman, you have Devin DuVarnay, and uh, you were hoping to add to that. But – I don't know how it hurts and it's a potentially low risk high. Like it's like when Albert Hainsworth was signed by the Patriots. Okay. Wow. Like flashback. There was no downside to it. If it worked out, Bill Belichick's a genius. If it doesn't work out, cost him nothing. And you know, it was a, it was a shot in the dark. Absolutely. Uh, So I, I, there's no way it hurts. It can only potentially help. It, it either it either helps or it changes. It doesn't hurt in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, and I think you know we know the answer to this one. But you know how much the the, the Cardinals' offense has been abysmal. Um, Eleven points last week. Three games of the six they played, they've scored less than three touchdowns. Two of those games, less than two they touchdowns. Scored nine last week. I thought. Oh yeah, see, uh, they lost nineteen to nine to the Seahawks. Nineteen to nine. Yeah. So uh, two games, not even scoring two touchdowns. Not the offense they imagined by bringing in uh, Kingsbury and, and Kyler Murray got to imagine Hopkins hopefully will come back and, and help them. Yeah. Um, which makes the trade for Robbie Anderson really strange. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. They, they gave away very little for him, a seventh and a sixth. But you also lost a starting offensive lineman in that game. So if you know DeAndre Hopkins is coming back, why are you expending any draft capital for Robbie Anderson? Like, Robbie Anderson is a lesser version of DeAndre Hopkins. Like, he doesn't – he's not going to run every route for you. Yep. He's a he's a lid lifter. He's a he's a bust the the defense player. Well, that's literally who DeAndre Hopkins is. So I I thought that entire thing was very questionable uh, by the Arizona Cardinals. Um, DeAndre Hopkins coming back is absolutely going to help them. But Call of Duty also comes out this week, and it's a short week for Kyler. So, oh man, I tell you what, we haven't brought him up once and not brought up Call of Duty. That just shows you how ingrained that is uh, as a part of his early legacy we'll call it um hey before before we sign off here another thing that that uh, our producer brian uh you know sent over you know the other thing we're not talking about now trey hmm. concussions all of a sudden Tua, and, and he's starting on sunday night football this week and we're not I'm talking very about i'm Tua. very concerned just so you know like i i hope it all goes well for him but that was second impact syndrome in that in that week four game against the uh, against the Bengals. Yeah. I hope he's completely recovered, and I hope nothing happens. But I, I'm not going to lie to you; I'm going to be watching that game with all my fingers crossed that things yeah. go okay for for Tua. And just to to put it you know, quickly into further perspective, these are not the first two concussions of Tua's career. People forget the hip injury that that knocked him out of Alabama uh, before yeah. he was drafted. He suffered a concussion on that play too, broken broken nose and a concussion. Um, and, and he, in, in a press conference today, Trey talked about not remembering the uh, getting carted off the field against yeah. the Cincinnati Bengals. So very scary stuff. Hopefully it all works out. We talked about a lot today. Want to thank um, all of you. Want to remind you all that uh, the other thing you could do regarding Patrick Mahomes and Jimmy Garoppolo is go play underdog fantasy, play their higher or lower game. You can get higher or lower Patrick Mahomes passing yards at 290.5, and you can get higher or lower Jimmy G passing yards at a paltry 239.5 passing yards. That's underdog fantasy. Go do that. When you sign up for underdog, make sure that you use code PFN. Take the higher or lower in those games and get up to a $100 deposit bonus and a free month of PFN Pass when you deposit at least $10. I am Brett Yaris. He is the one and only Mr. Trey Wingo, and we are Pro Football Network's Football Insiders. We will see you next week, Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. See ya. See ya, buddy.